I need election integrity. Okay, hand me life. I need the religious freedom. Okay, I think medical freedom will finish this off. Okay, I think that's it. And that is how we fix Georgia. Support me, Katherine Davis, for governor. Well, welcome, 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 patriots, saints, friends, and family to the Apostolic Conservative Show. I'm so excited on tonight uh, to be having a very special guest on the show with us again, uh, Miss Catherine Davis. It, um, I tell you, um, they they did a, a great job of of suppressing and keeping information about her getting out to the masses, but, but as you can see. Once you got a, became aware of her, you could see the information, the knowledge, the intellect that she brought uh, or would have been bringing to the governorship uh, was uh, strong assets all around. Um, and and I tell you, I, I was one of, of many who did not even hear about her candidacy and, uh, until later on in, uh, in the uh, run for governorship. And uh, and so we did finally begin to hear some things about her. But uh, I tell you, uh, the more I hear, the more I, I talk w with her uh, just over the short time of the uh, uh, the state convention that, that I got to hear her speak in the room uh, with other uh, black Republican uh, leaders uh, in the black, uh, black Republican council. Uh, there was uh, a breakout session there, if you would call it that. Um, and she brought some, some great points in that meeting. And uh, I'm, I'm so excited, you know, just uh, to have this opportunity uh, to, to speak with another leader in the state of Georgia and uh, she's been doing it uh, for a while and making an impact and, you know, hearing numbers of her running at, uh, at 5% uh, at a time when uh, uh, around the belt, uh, I believe it's called Beltway, uh, uh, around the Beltway uh, with Frederick, um, uh, Frederick, uh, I can't get his name right now, but uh, was uh, talking uh, from here and her uh, talk. Uh, he was talking about a surprise that uh, she was eclipsing at that five percent, and uh, he was just finding out about. It. But people, the more they hear talk, the more they like. And so I'm excited on the night. You guys share this, um, like, follow, help us get around the algorithms that big tech uses to suppress our voice. Uh, we are in this episode 538, and I'm excited as I have re been redundant in saying <laughs> all tonight. I'm grateful. Let us uh, get ready uh, to bring her on in just a moment uh, right after this.
we the people were just okay. We were just quiet, sitting back. We were excited. Then when they started messing with them, no other choice but to step up. Mike Lindell, inventor of my pillow. Just like you, I had problems sleeping. I tried every pillow out there and nothing worked. 10 years ago, I invented my pillow. It took me two years to develop because I wanted to have everything you would ever want in a pillow. I made sure that you could adjust my patented fill so you could have the exact support you need as an individual regardless of your sleep position. I also wanted a pillow that would last, so I made my pillow machine washable and dryable. I back my pillow with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. My pillow lets you adjust it to your exact individual needs regardless of sleep position and stays that way all night long so you get the best sleep of your life. All right, guys, if you would, please, uh, when you go to MyPillow.com, uh, please remember to use uh, promo code APCOSHOW. That's A-P-C-O-SHOW. For huge discounts. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And without further ado, I'm going to get ready to bring on our guest. And I'm so thankful uh, she will be with us uh, via uh, voice. And um, I'm thankful to, that she would take the time to come on the show. Uh, with uh, Will Jones and the Apostolic Conservative Show, and we are grateful for you to come on and let me get. I have screwed up already. Boom! There we go. <laughs> it be like that sometimes. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for for joining us uh, once again. Um, would you Would you please just uh, you know. Uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself um, and um, what uh, what what gave you the desire to get involved in uh, politics. I am a long-term activist. Um, I have been fighting for life since 1987. I have my own organization called the Restoration Project, which is a pro-life, pro-family, pro-education organization. And uh, for up until Roe v. Wade was overturned last year, I was strongly fighting for life because the leading cause of death uh, in the Black community has been abortion. And it's because the Black community has been deliberately targeted uh, by population control enthusiasts. And so they were able to get us to participate in our own demise. And so I traveled the nation meeting with leaders and uh, men and women of influence to sound the alarm about um, abortion. And in doing that, 
um, uh, cross paths with many who are in the public policy arena and realize that we really need to do something different in terms of our public policy in our state and in our nation if we are really going to make a difference with the issues that are important to us. And so prior to running for governor, I ran for Congress in the 4th District many years ago against Cynthia McKinney uh, and Hank Johnson. And then I um, decided that Georgia needs a, an infusion of uh, integrity uh, in the public policy arena. And that's what made me decide to uh, throw my hat in the race for governor. Hello. Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I had myself muted. Me and this technology over here battling. Um, yeah, so you you've had a long uh, track record in history. There. Let me on uh, one thing. Let me. What was that name of your organization again? I do apologize for not having that up. That's okay. It's the Restoration Project. Okay. And the, the website is the restoration project dot life. L I F E. Yeah, okay. So now my my uh my uh my long term memory is going back to you did I think you did a video of about your uh pro life stance. Um and I think it was it goes back a little ways. Um, the video that I saw of you doing a speech, and um, and it was uh, it's pretty pretty impactful and and uh, grateful. Thank you. Um, I did not say it leading out, but thank you for your service. Um, because when you when we look at the the black community, where there's over 30, 36, almost forty percent of abortions. Are being committed by roughly thirteen percent of the population, and I, you know, I fought, uh, you know, men and women as though you know women can only have babies. I constantly believe that, but you know, I fought men because there's so many men that you know leave women in hopeless situations or, or. Uh, to in positions where they feel so hopeless and without God, you know, end up going along a route of, uh, of, uh, you know, murdering babies and stuff. There seems to be a little, go ahead, go ahead. I think one of our biggest um, problems, if you will, with abortion is we don't understand the history and this history, uh, impacts both the Caucasian and the black community alike. Mm. But there was a decided effort in our nation to control the population. Um, if you go back and you look historically into the mid uh, 60s when we were fighting for civil rights so openly, um, forces came together. You had the National Organization of Women 
who decided that their organizational goal was to destroy the family. And they were going to destroy the family by destroying the uh, male, the patriarch of the family. Mm -hmm. They were going to destroy him by destroying monogamy. They were going to destroy monogamy by, through promiscuity, eroticism, prostitution, and homosexuality, and promiscuity. So they deliberately set out to destroy the family. So a lot of what we see today with the Me Too movement came about because the National Organization of Women sent women into our culture to destroy the family. You also had Richard... Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. I'm sorry. You say Uh that they literally sent women into the community to destroy the family? Yes. Wow. If you if you look on my website, uh, there's a report on my website about the black family. And in that report, the author of that report very clearly shows you that the sister of the founder of the National Organization of Women told what they did. They had a call and response. Why are we here to make revolution? What kind of revolution? A cultural revolution. And how are we going to make a cultural revolution? By destroying the American family. How are we going to destroy the American family? By destroying the American patriarch. And how are we going to destroy the patriarch? Through eroticism, promiscuity, prostitution, and homosexuality. So... They sent women to break up the family in order to destroy the American culture. That, that sounds a little familiar, uh, so, somewhat like Black Lives Matter originally oh, yeah. had on their website. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. You also had Richard Nixon, who was a population control enthusiast, and he had the Population Council who wanted zero population growth in the nation. Uh, At the same time, the government um, also in the 1960s, the government sent 100,000 social workers into the black community to deal with uh, what they called the two prouds. And the two prouds were the black men who said, we don't need government assistance. We could take care of our own families. So you had all these forces coming together at the same time that there was a, quote, sexual revolution going on. And out of that sexual revolution, we got uh, Roe v. Wade, which was designed to literally control the black birth rate. You've got Richard Nixon on tape saying, you know, I know that uh, Michigan is going to approve abortion because they know that what will be aborted are the little black, and this is his words, not mine, the little black bastards. Wow. So you had all these forces. You had Margaret Sanger's Negro Project. Uh, where she was paying black ministers to go into the black community 
and teach and preach at the time birth control. And then when Alan Guttmacher took over her organization, abortion. Um, and so they have pushed abortion. And with all of these forces coming together to destroy the family, the black family is the, is the picture of how successful they, uh, they were. Because when they launched all these activities, uh, I think the number was like 64, 68% of black families in the 60s and 70s were two-parent-headed households. But today, 72% of our families are headed by females. Wow. So we are no longer having enough children in our culture, black, white, pink, or green, uh, to reproduce ourselves. In order to keep blacks at the 14% that they say we are, um, and what I forget what the percentage of the Caucasian community is, every woman of childbearing age would have to have 2.1 children. In the black community, I believe the number is 1.6, and in the Caucasian community, it's 1.8. So we have a huge issue with population control that is succeeding in erasing uh, Americans from our culture. And do, do you believe this was uh, a Marxist, uh, communist agenda? Uh, and we had collaborators for, for a long time in our government? I do, because if you also look at that same time in history, um, the mother of the New Age movement, her name was Alice Bailey. She had a 10-point uh, um, plan to get Christianity out of the culture. And if you look at her 10-point plan, which was to set up Marxism, um, socialism in our nation, all of the things that she was talking about at the same time that Margaret Sanger was doing the, um, the Negro Project, they, they came together. So her 10-point strategy said, take God and prayer out of the education system. Reduce parental authority over children destroyed the traditional Christian family structure. If sex is free, make abortion legal and easy. Make divorce easy and legal. Make homosexuality an alternative not a lifestyle. Debase art, make it run mad. Use media to promote and change mindsets. Create an interfaith movement and get governments to make all of these law and get the church to endorse these changes. Is that not where we are today? Yes, yes. What, why do you think that it, it seems like the last few years, uh, the last few handful of years, it seems like the, it's all of that has like propelled forward. I mean, like it took like a super leap forward into the to the uh debauchery that we're we're witnessing you know even with the white house what they they just you know put on display and 
and and all the filthiness that they were doing, you know, on the White House lawn. I think that in my brain, which is a strange place to be, I'm the first one to admit it. <laughs> okay. In 2012, at the Democrat convention, it was held in North Carolina. Uh-huh. The Democrats kicked God out of their platform. And when people tried to get them to put God back in, the people literally booed. You can Google it. Since then, we've had a slippery slope that has basically become icy, if you will, and yeah. slipped us into what we are seeing today with, with um, the violence, the sexual promiscuity. I mean, you had Satanists literally sacrificing children about a month ago up in Boston. They were warning babies. Yes, they called it SatanCon. And they were aborting babies in sacrifice to Satan at their convention that they held in Boston, Massachusetts. What? Yes. And, <laughs> and so to me, if we are going to change this, it has to come from what I believe was a vision, a dream that God gave me. And I have been trying to get to President Trump ever since to ask him to invite God into America, mm. to make America godly again, because mm. Obama, they put God out. Let's invite him back in. And I, I believe with everything in me that when President Trump says, God, we can't fight this on our own. Would you come into America? Wow. I think we will instantly see a shift in some of this darkness that we have been seeing. But we've had um, uh, a removal of God from the culture. The only belief system that is not welcome in America today is Christianity. Yeah, the body it's... of Christ has not stood up and done its job and has allowed things to slide so deeply into the darkness that um, it's going to take God to bring us back. So I am praying that President Trump will get the message and that he will publicly just ask God back in the country. I know he is battle weary from all of the, the lawsuits that are being filed, the indictments and all of that that's coming against him. I don't think there's been a man so publicly and visibly attacked in this nation the way they have attacked President Trump. Um, but I believe God will stand up. I saw God stand up when President Trump asked him into America. Mm. Uh, which means he will be in the fight with us to bring our country back to a standard um, on which it was founded. And whether you believe the founding fathers were Christians or not, I know that our documents say that they built a republic founded on biblical principles, and maybe we can get back to that. Yes. And to change the culture again.
Yes, yes, yes. Oh, and I, I will look for every every chance I get to try to get get a word to it. You know, uh, word to his ear. Um, you know, I, I'm pretty sure we're all in circles that are. Uh, uh, very close to him, you know, and, and yours, uh, no doubt, uh, closer than mine. But um, I will, I will look for the opportunity to put a bug in his ear too. Yeah, um, I'm not, I'm not in his circle of influence. I wish I was. Yeah. Um, and I don't know why God chose me to reveal that to. I'm like God. I don't know President Trump. I'm not in his circle of influence. Yeah. Why are you asking me to ask him to invite you in? You know, I don't even know that I could get the message to him yeah. to invite God in. But when he does, I believe we are going to see a, an immediate shift, um, mm. even to give him some rest from all of these battles. Um, I saw an article today that the district attorney here was saying her case and the case from uh, the guy in New York are being put on a back burner pending this most recent indictment. So when he gets finished fighting this indictment, indictment they're still going to pursue theirs L if it doesn't turn out the way they want it. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead and finish your thought. The man has been indicted and and prosecuted more than anybody in the country. Yeah. And none of it has been able to stick, but they will not let it go. They won't. I believe when he says, make America godly again and invite God, invites God in, that even those battles will stop because God will clearly strip away all of the confusion that has been surrounding uh, uh, his presidency and him. Yeah. And, and the, they, these, those court cases, they're not going to be resolved until around uh, the primaries. They're, they're, they're going to be kicked down because they've been, you know, the judicial system has been weaponized and they're, they're going to, uh, they're gonna kick it. As one, the one in New York already has been stated that it, it's not gonna happen until uh, uh, towards the around the, the primary time uh, for that to start for the elections um, in twenty twenty four. So I don't know. Um, I imagine it's gonna be the end of the year when they started. You know, uh, I not, think it was the not if not if President Trump invites God in. I, I'm telling you, something is gonna. Wow. Happen. I really believe that, and I know that sounds crazy. <laughs> no, but no, it, it doesn't really sound crazy. It's gonna shift. Wow, hallelujah! I, I I feel that in my spirit right there, bearing witness with that. Wow, it, it would be epic, and I, I believe I believe he would do it if this dropped in his spirit in his mind, uh, and I believe he's bold enough to do it. Well, please pray that it, you know, I don't know if I'll be able to get the, the uh, word to him, but uh, pray that God will get it to him because there's no Amen. from God. Amen. He can use anybody. He can use anybody. If he used the donkey, <laughs> it, didn't, uh, 
in the Bible to wake up the prophet. He can hey. anybody and anything. So all right, no, that that's confirmation right there because uh <laughs> just uh just on yesterday, um Crystal, my wife and I, we teach a drug counseling and uh for people that uh, have been court ordered uh for the county and our lesson within the lesson for yesterday was just talking about Balaam and that donkey <laughs> on on yep. yesterday. So I, I I feel some confirmation on that right there. You know, just for this topic. You know, it's not by happen chance that we'll be talking about this and then you mentioned that right there. So uh <laughs> I'm definitely gonna be praying uh for that because I believe in the power of God. I believe that he he can he can he can the king, the Bible says the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, and That's he turns right. it wheresoever he wills, like the rivers of living water. And I believe that 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 God can can reach him, God can touch him, God can speak to him uh, through high, however can speak the very word that he done dropped in your spirit. He can use somebody else to speak to him directly, and he receive it, and, and then act on it. And so I'm yeah. I'm excited just hearing that right there. Um, I've not heard anyone mention that before, um, but I, I really believe in in uh, in that right there. Or uh, that we is as is, is he all uh, he invites welcomes God back and 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 to make America great again or make God godly make great. America godly again make America godly again. Yeah. Mm -mm -mm. So um, that's what I was hoping for Georgia when I ran for the governorship. Georgia is so very broken. Yeah. Um, Could you talk about so, the, the brokenness of Georgia for a moment? Yeah, there's so much. You know, as I traveled the state, the stories that I heard from people who were asking me, can you please help me? Um, one case I heard about was of a father having raped his young son so violently Whoa. that wow. the, the hospital had to sew his little bottom up. Oh, and my they goodness. called uh, Family and Children's Services to come help. And Family and Children's Services, I was told, sent the child back home. What? With, yes. They didn't come to the hospital. And they released that child back into uh, uh, to that family. I heard about a social worker, a a uh, family member filing a complaint against a mom because she didn't want to let her children go alone to their grandparents, who had a reputation of being child molesters themselves. The wow. Department of Family and Children's Services came out and um, investigated and didn't find any cause against the family. But when the social worker was getting ready to leave, the son ran to the social worker and gave her his Bible. She reopened the case trying to take those children because that little boy gave her a Bible. Wow. I heard about a, a young lady who burned her hand 
And so she went to um, one of the hospitals in, uh, I believe it was Cherokee County. And because she was not vaccinated, they would not treat that burn. She had to drive all the way downtown uh, to Grady to get help with the burn on her hand because she didn't want to be vaccinated. Um, I heard from medical um, uh, professionals who didn't want to be vaccinated, but their jobs were being threatened and our government refused to do anything to help them maintain their, their uh, positions. Um, we have a huge broken issue. I, I saw uh, information that in our school system, hardcore pornographic books, I mean hardcore, grandma having sex with grandson, uh, and parents were, were frustrated. Some were being thrown out of board meetings. Some were being arrested because they wanted to get those books out of our schools and out of our libraries, and they couldn't get any assistance from our government. Our government is broken. We have 13 abortion centers in Georgia, not one of which has closed, even though we have the heartbeat bill. Um, and those facilities have not been inspected since 2015. What? So we don't know if they're abiding by the laws of Georgia or not, because we have no enforcement of those laws. And when I approached our uh, uh, attorney general, he said, that that wasn't in his purview, that I needed to go to the local DAs and get them to look into it. And I'm like, this is a state law. What are you talking about? You say, these are the kind, this is the kind of brokenness that we have um, in our state, and it's not being addressed. We don't wow. have religious freedom protection in Georgia. So under the Constitution, it used to be that if the government was going to interfere with your religion, they had to have a compelling reason. The Supreme Court, for whatever reason, came and said, no, each state has to decide for themselves. So we have been trying to get uh, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act passed since Nathan Deal was the governor. And we have yet to get that bill passed, which would do nothing more than ensure that if the government is going to interfere with our belief system, they have to have a compelling reason. Why, why do you think that is? Why, why do you think they resisted? And this is supposed to be a, is supposed to be a conservative red state with, I mean, our leadership up and down. Uh, is is led uh, by, you know, supposed to be conservative Republican leaders. Well, in my mind, again, which is a strange place to be, I think being a Republican in Georgia is nothing more than a talking point. 
It is not a value system. It's not yeah. because our legislators believe according to our constitution um, um, and our laws. They only say that they believe to get elected. And then once they are elected, they do whatever they want to do without regard to what the people think or say. <laughs> Do you think there's a big influence uh, from globalist uh, uh, leaders, uh, in particular, uh, you know, Klaus Schwab with World Economic Forum? Um, I have been hearing people talk about the governor uh, went over there to Davos and uh, was over there, but I never saw video of it until like last week, I believe. I think it was, well, it may have been earlier this week. I saw a video of the same, uh, 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 what do you call it, uh, uh, individual uh, journalists, uh, citizen journalists that were over there and exposed uh, Pfizer them and were, you know, they were, uh, you know, had the mic in their face, the CEOs of them and other uh, pharmaceutical companies that pushed this me medical tyranny uh, on the country and 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 basically just bribe uh, uh, media outlets and representatives and uh, you know entertainers to push this uh, this deadly uh, what I believe is is a deadly vax. So do you you think it's this global uh, agenda that's being pushed that is really affecting many of our leaders here? I do. Um... I believe that our current Republican leadership is out of step with um, um, what the patriots here mm -hmm. uh, believe and support. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure of what their agenda is. Mm -hmm. It does seem to mirror the globalist efforts um, I just know that if Georgia wants to be the state that we think we are, which mm -hmm. is a grand conservative state, then we have to start voting differently. Yeah. We have to uh, stop supporting people simply because they have an R behind their name. Oh, yeah. And to really examine what they're doing. And when they don't do what they said they were going to do, Unelect them. Unelect them. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Do you think uh, with what took place at the state convention uh, was a, a you know a good step uh, towards that? I mean, even though we don't have we're 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 not state positions or as far as uh, elected officials in this uh, that handle policy or whatever uh, for the governing of the state. Do you think it was a uh, a good direction or that we can set some fire to people's feet? Because I've heard a lot of uh, mention about election integrity and people that, that quite frankly, were on the front line fighting uh, uh, against what took place, uh, even back to 2020. You know, the convention was good and then it was disappointing. It was, okay. you know, it was good. It was a good okay. event. Um, I think they could have done better. 
in okay. setting the atmosphere. Um, because so many people are concerned about election integrity in our state, mm-hmm. when when the the people wanted to change the convention rules, uh-huh. remember that long discussion they had about Section Three of the convention rules. Yes, they did a stand up, sit down, stand up kind of vote on whether or not we should. Um, change the rules. Instead of and, using the tabulators. As, right. Because I think that set the the tone that um, we were right back into an election integrity issue. Many people felt like that wasn't integral, what they did. No, I, so, I, I'm, I certainly, uh, you know, I, I, in the heat of the moment, I'm grasping and different things going on and stuff. But as I've thought about it, you, you're absolutely right. I mean, and I felt kind of that way, you know, but I didn't make an issue out of it myself. But why, why, if we're doing all this voting on the other stuff, uh, on the, uh, on the, uh, candidate. Right with the tablet why not use that the same way i mean if it was a if we were in a in a, in a at a precinct at a, a voting booth you know it would all be there the candidates and the the question right they had. right so i think that that made people leery and we could have avoided that yeah you know? right. i understand they didn't want to allow every person that had something to say about it to say, because we probably would still be there waiting waiting to vote. But I think there was a better way to have handled that. Now, I did appreciate the clickers. I thought that was genius. It worked well. Um, They figured out that they needed the Wi-Fi signal. So they, you know, start telling people, hold your clicker up when you're pushing it so that the signal could catch. I thought that was well done. That was well I, done. I wish they'd have handled that a whole lot better because, again, uh, now, that was a sensitive uh, spot for me because, uh, you know, because, like you mentioned, with the election integrity, with the other stuff, I think they should they they should have done a better job of having that, you know, figured out or having that understanding prior to that because it, it was a big issue already, you know, what we've gone through and then to have uh and and you know, truth be told, some of the sergeant at arms didn't understand what was going on from the beginning. You right. Know? And, and so, I think they they needed boosters. Yes, yes. Um in the room. That room wasn't configured. <laughs> um, you know, they had all those posts in there and it was blocking signals and stuff so they oh yes um but again it was better way better than the stand up sit down yes uh, (laughs) thing totally (laughs) yeah and i think once they figured out that the signal was being blocked i mean they didn't have boosters there so the only thing they could do was say Move closer to the front when you're getting ready to vote, or yes. hold the clicker up in the air. So um, it wasn't perfect, but it was way better. Yes, yeah, I, I, it, I, it, it was, it was way better because I remember two years ago in, in Jekyll Island, uh, 
and they're they're taking the stand up or uh, the stand up right. or whatever and then it was like oh they got it right here you know it was like right, oh, right. <laughs> the yays right. win those and it was like so right. quick like <laughs> and play with people like wait a minute no what do you mean it looked like it was half at least half 50 50 or something right you know? Exactly. But, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. so I'm, I'm totally with you on that. I mean, we 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 laughed laughed about that, you know, to the hurt of it, you know, and 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 we're concerned. So they addressed that, and I'm I'm glad they did. Um, they they evidently heard the people's voice, and they did did something about it. So I'm definitely not going to uh, beat them down because of how you know it you know, how it transpired uh, using the clickers because it, it was a good right. thing. Now, um, uh, I would like to, uh, I, I, from my understanding, you have some strong opinions on uh, Juneteenth. You know, I could do without it. But I will <laughs> say this, before, before, you, before, you, before you talk, before you tell, me, tell us about it, how you feel about it, I'll say this. I did not even. I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm for. I'm 46 years old, and at the time, you know, 40 something, uh, 41, 42. I never even heard of Juneteenth until Donald Trump mentioned it. I never even heard of it till he mentioned it, and he talked about maybe doing something, you know, to the celebrate, celebrated, or you know, ask, throwing the question out there. You know how trying to get a read uh, on how people felt about it, but I never even heard it until he mentioned it, and then he took so much flack, you know, uh, for you know really wanting to give an opportunity to. I I believe he wanted to give an opportunity to celebrate it when he had his rally on that day in Tulsa. Uh, I think it was in Tulsa. It was in Oklahoma, maybe in Oklahoma City, and he took a lot of flack. To the point where he moved the date uh, to a different date because uh, he was gonna have it on the nineteenth of June. What what's your thoughts? Well, I I'm way older than you. Let me start there. Oh, and I had never heard of it either. Now I didn't hear of it uh, because President Trump said anything. Um, um, and I honestly can't remember when I first heard of Juneteenth, but I didn't understand what Juneteenth was. I didn't know, you know, it, it wasn't something that I grew up hearing. And I came up during the civil rights movement, and I never heard about Juneteenth, didn't know anything about it. Um, there's just way too many things things happening with the black community in particular that keeps us focused on division rather than uniting uh, as Americans. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Yes, ma'am. Is, is just another one of those that's, that talks more about our enslavement than it does about are genius. I happen to be a person who um, who believes that bl the black community is a community of genius. Yes. Uh, we, if you look at the many things 
um, that we have done. Like I ask um, people, have you heard of Vivian Thomas? Do you know who Vivian Thomas is, Will? I, I can't say I do. Um, do you know who Patricia Bath is? That name is familiar. Um, okay. but I couldn't tell you right now, but the name is familiar. Vivian Thomas was, uh, a man who never went to, um, medical school, but he pioneered heart surgery. Uh. He, wanted, he wanted to be a doctor, but the crash happened in 1929, took all the money that he had saved up. Um, um, and so he um, couldn't go to medical school. But he began to work for this doctor named Dr. Blaylock. And they together um, um, pioneered heart surgery. Ah. To the point that there was Jim Crow in America and um, they wouldn't let Vivian go in the operating room with Dr. Blaylock. But then Dr. Blaylock was like, look, you come in here now. Vivian stood on a stool and looked over Dr. Blaylock's surgery and taught him how to do that. I, I do remember that story. I did read that not long ago. So yeah. I do remember the story now, now that yeah. you mention it. Um, have you heard of Otis Boykin? Uh, no, but I'd love to hear about it. He's an inventor. He was an American inventor and engineer. He um, he invented the electrical resistors used in computing, the missile guidance systems, and pacemakers. Uh. Frederick McKinley Jones was an American inventor. Um, he in innovated the mobile refrigeration technology. He had 61 patents, 40 of which were for refrigeration technology. Oh. Do you know who Kathy Hughes is? I believe I'm about to find out. <laughs> <laughs> Kathy Hughes uh, is the second richest black woman in the United States. She founded the media company Radio One and TV One. Oh. She is the first black woman to head a publicly traded corporation. These are just a few of the people. Patricia Bath pioneered uh, LASIK surgery because her mother had cataracts and she wanted to help her mother. So she got that laser to work to cut the cataracts off of her mother's eyes. Um, and it became LASIK surgery as we know it today. Wow. These are the things that we should be celebrating rather than a, a mythical holiday that says the black folk in Texas um, didn't know slavery had ended for two years. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm not one that celebrates Juneteenth. 
um, because I much prefer to go and and celebrate the genius of uh, the black community. There's a whole unit of mathematicians today working for the Department of Defense, and they are designing our weaponry system, and they're black, and we don't know about them. Mm. We don't know what we don't know because we always get painted in the, the mold of the victim. Um, and most of us don't even know how that argument came to be. You know, the victimhood thing came uh -huh. to be. It was during the civil rights movement and Martin Luther King and all of the men with him were having a hard time convincing the government to change things. Um, because so many of us were successful and our historically black colleges and universities were chronicling the success of the black community. There was a time when you couldn't even teach black students unless you had a PhD. Wow. That's why so many parents moved their families to D.C. to go to the Dunbar School, which was the leading uh, school for blacks in America for a very long time under Jim Crow. So uh, Dr. King asked the colleges like Spelman and Morehouse and all the rest of them to stop chronicling the success of their graduates because they were having a hard time uh, um, making the case that we were quote, victims of discrimination when so many of us were doing so well. So you mean they actually went to them telling, hey, you, you're looking too good. We right. need you to look a little worse. Than, you know. Right. Wow. We need you to stop chronicling. And so they haven't gone back to chronicling. They haven't gone back to celebrating the success of their graduates, but that's what they used to do. Uh, what are, what are your thoughts on? And I I know you we we didn't discuss how long you, you, we would uh, do the show, uh, but I want to get your thoughts about. Uh, I, I'm finding out that you know, DC is one of the most wealthiest areas of uh, the area around DC uh, in in the country. Um, you know, quite. Uh, possibly because of the military uh, complex and all, but what we're finding out is that there are several districts, school districts up there, and and in cities surrounding D.C. and others in in states. And I understand the District of Columbia is not even actually a state, but in in these areas, the 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 um, they skip school. Um, blacks, minorities are at a rate of like 50 some percent in some places where students are, are missing school and they're just passing them along. And, you know, their, their, the educational system is just deplorable. Um, to use Hillary, Hillary Clinton's word. What is your thoughts on it? Is that a part of the same system? You know, I believe a diabolical system to, you know, to dumb down uh, 
minority communities to keep them on the figurative uh, plantation? Well, I'm not going to say minority communities. I'm going to say black communities. Black communities. Not okay. including everybody in the crew. And yes, sir. It's deliberate. When I first moved to Georgia in 1995, I was perplexed because one of the leading news stories at that time was this young woman who was so upset that she was not being allowed to march with her class. And she was, was just distraught. And she kept saying, I was on a roll. I was on a roll. I don't understand why I can't walk with um, uh, my class. So I called a friend of mine. She was a new friend. She taught in the Atlanta public school system. So I called her and I asked her, what was that about? And she said the young lady could not pass the Georgia graduation exam. Mm. She said she could have memorized the exam. She took it so many times, but she wow. could not pass it. And I said, well, how could she be an honor roll? Because Georgia participated in a social promotion system. If you brought your pen to class, you got points. If you brought your book and your notebook to class, you got points. If you wrote your name correctly on the paper, you got points. So you started out with like 50 points and you hadn't done anything except come to class. Wow. Once, so if you did any work at all, that was added to your score. So if you're already starting with 50 because you bought your notebook, you bought your books, you wrote your name correctly, you got the class on time, then let's say you took a test and you scored 30. That automatically gave you 80. If you scored 40, that automatically gave you 90. But that wasn't a real grade. They were just socially promoting it. Wow. It's all over the country. I read a story about a young man out of Baltimore who was a senior, and he was the quote-unquote top of his class with a 1.8 GPA. How could that even be? You have teachers that are not teaching children to read, write, speak, and think. Just uh, a few weeks ago, Dinesh D'Souza, he did it poorly. I'm not saying that we should celebrate Dinesh at all, um, but he was talking about the, the uh, IQ test and how blacks, the black students couldn't, uh, were at the bottom in terms of the IQ test. Well, if you can't read the test, how are you going to pass it? How are you going to of pass it? Of course, the black students were at the bottom because they are not being taught to read, write, speak, and think. You have too many of our young people who are being allowed, passed along in our schools, mm -hmm. and they cannot read, write, speak, or think. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's not really a verdict on the IQ. No. It, it, it's a, 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 a verdict on the academia part, you know, that they didn't get taught. You know, they didn't that get... They didn't get taught. Yeah. But they still demand more and more money. You know, I think Georgia is spending like ten, twelve thousand dollars $12,000 per pupil. 
the money's not getting to the classroom. I mean, you have children in in Georgia who are in right here in DeKalb County, uh, North Druid Hills High School is a cesspool. They said it smells worse than a toilet. They have rats, roaches, everything running freely around the school, and this is what our kids are in wow. every day. Wow. You know, you have young people right here in DeKalb, the second wealthiest majority black county in the nation, who didn't even know that they could get free internet. So during COVID, they couldn't get taught because they didn't have access to the internet. Wow. To get, and this is 2023. Wow. But you're not hearing about that. What you're hearing about is Black Lives Matter. Yeah. You know, you're hearing all of the other things as these teachers deliberately dumb down our students. Um, I, so, I want to. I want to go to a couple, a couple of comments before we get out of here. I know your time okay. is valuable and precious. Uh, although I, I got, I'm flexible. I can go a little way, a little ways. But <laughs> I wanted to go to uh, Two Rivers. Um, uh, he had some comments over here on, um, on the appeal uh, to Foxhole, and he was agreeing with you. Celebrate the geniuses of the persons uh, themselves who were of African heritage. Uh, it went on and and brought up uh, where it is. Black came from the symbolic idea of something sinister, low estate, bad, whereas white symbolic of purity or high estate are similar. And I think he was uh, had maybe commented earlier that you know the the terminizer being labeled black came from a derogatory or, or whatever. Um, and what what are your your thoughts on that? I mean, it, I don't know. I don't remember it being being that way. Now, okay, I'm a I'm a guy I'm a person who grew up in the '60s. Yes, sir. Um, we were called Negroes. James Brown popularized us being called black. Say it loud. I'm black and I'm proud. Oh. Um, if you go back and 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 to the music. Yeah, that was a big thing in the '60s. Say it loud! I'm black and I'm proud. Up until that point, we were mostly known by as Negroes uh -huh. or mulattoes. Those of us that had Caucasian blood were deemed mulattoes, according to the census data. Huh. Um, I, I didn't know that. Um, you wealth yeah. of knowledge, <laughs> Floyd. I only wow. know that because my sister and I went all the way back and traced our family all the way back. And my sister got bent out of shape because my mother was listed as a mulatto. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, um, but the blackness came from James Brown. The Black Panthers were big. Um, and what's his name? Huey Newton, no, Huey Newton was Black Panthers. SNCC, the Southern, mm, I can't remember what SNCC stood for, but that's where we called ourselves that. Nobody designated that. It was oh. at that point. 
it was a point of pride for us. Um, and again, the most common thing to point to was James Brown's song. Say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. Yeah, great. That is that is great. Thank you uh, for for bringing clarity. You know, it's something I've heard people say before, but it that definitely makes sense. And I've seen videos and heard heard the songs and stuff. You know, um, years ago as a young man, and my parents them used to listen to a lot of different music uh, back then. Um, in your um. And I okay. I'm gonna I'm try to I'm gonna try to hold. I don't want to hold you hostage, so I want to like in, in five. <laughs> You're fine. And like, I mean, but this is just this is amazing. You know, hearing all this and you bringing so much light and so much truth and so much clarity. And I, I really thank you uh, for taking the time. Um, th this has blown me away. I mean, I, I I'm really uh, gleeful. Um, with this, so you had mentioned uh, in, um, uh, or it's it's on your your website about how faith um, played a part, you know, in your in your youth uh, growing up. Um, could you speak to that even now? You know, we were all raised in the church. You know, your parents may not have gone to church, but you were going to church. <laughs> you were going to Sunday school. You was going. Not <laughs> yeah. just Sunday school, you were going to church. And you the had church. to sit there, and your mother could give you a look if you was over there acting up and acting stupid and stuff. Oh, mother, yeah. My mother had the look, the fear I, of God. I know, so I know the look. Sent that look across the room. You know, so we were, re we had a biblical foundation. Um, we may not have stayed with it into our adulthood, but we knew the Ten Commandments. My generation knew Jesus with that lamb draped across his shoulders. We were raised that way. So there were boundaries set that most of us were not going to cross because we understood the Ten Commandments. We understood thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not lie, etc. My generation, however, didn't raise our children to, to have that same foundation. And I think because of that, we began this slow slide down the slippery slope of accepting any and everything as being a minority issue or a minority problem. Um, but, but when I was growing up, you were measured by the word of God. And there was no middle ground with that, no ifs, ands, and buts about it. So I think that has changed because the body of Christ first of all, is not going into all the world and teaching and preaching the gospel. But we're also not raising our children to have that same measure of foundation, um, which is why I think we've come full circle back to inviting God into America and making America godly again. Because black, white, pink, or green, you were going to church you were being taught the word. Um, and again, we've allowed that to fade away in the culture. 
Okay, I want to go to just a quick break, but then when I when we come back, if you would tell us how do we in in the in, as we go forward, how do we bridge the gap? Because in, in like I'm the chairman in in our county, Douglas County, which is growing in the black community is growing exponentially in here but how do we bridge the gap how do we reach that community uh to let them know that we have the values uh that that they that we have you know that as blacks we often have grown up and i know this younger generation has been indoctrinated but we have the values or core values that make communities strong opposed to what they have. And we're going to go to this and then we'll come right back. And then I promise you then we'll, we'll wrap it up. Okay. Thank you so okay. much for giving us that liberty. Hi, my name is Jim Meehan. I'm a medical doctor. I'm the CEO of Meehan MD. What I'm here to talk to you about today is getting started on a health journey that is not being done in the United States today. The broken healthcare system is something I left a long time ago so that I could teach you to become a scientist of your own health. I created the Mindset Framework for Health. Mindset is an acronym that um, guides us in the seven key elements of health. We want to focus on M, the microbiome, and your mind-body connection. We want to talk about I, the inflammation control in your body. N is for nutrition. D, detoxification. S is sleep. E is exercise and T is total hormone balance. If we don't get those seven key elements in line, optimized, uh, working for you instead of against you, I'm not the pill for every ill business model. I left that a long time ago. We've created something better here at MeNMD. We're guiding you on a journey to optimal health by helping you focus on those seven key mindset elements to take you to a place in your health that you've never been before because you've only had doctors that wanted to spend a few minutes with you prescribing a pill for that symptom that you have. I believe in using nutrition and exercise and lifestyle changes and targeted supplementation and getting your hormones in optimal balance, ending all of the things that are driving your health into the dirt. I want to take you out of that and I want you to grow, get strong, get healthy. Go to MeehanMD.com and get started with this. Just click on the let's get started button and you can download information about um, how to treat COVID-19, how to end inflammation, how to start your health journey. You want to lose weight? You want to get your hormones balanced? Come to MeehanMD.com. All right, for our podcast listeners, if you would, please uh, use promo code Show A-P-C-O show uh, for huge discounts when you go to MeehanMD.com. Uh, dot com. Uh, we thank you so much. Alrighty, I'm gonna get this out of the way in just a moment. <laughs> Technology. Okay, so, all right, you you can clo- you can close us out if you would, please. Uh, uh, Miss Davis, and thank you so much. This has been awesome, tremendous. Oh, I'm happy to do it. What was what um what was your question again, please? Uh, well, really, I want to want to get some wisdom from you. How do we reach 
Um, like as I said, I'm in in Douglas County. Our black population is growing, and actually, is the larger part of the voting base here in our county. And uh, I know that there are many conservatives or uh, have conservative values, and for whatever reason, you know, many of them are believers, uh, but for whatever reason, they still vote a certain way. And how do we reach this community um, to let them know that, you know, we have the core values that they believe in, that, you know, in a sense that we're not racist over Even though I'm black, I've been called a racist, you know. Um, how do we reach them? What are your thoughts on that? My thoughts are you reach them with the concerns that they have. Um, we need to stop recruiting uh, partisanly and recruit on the issues um, because we can come together on the issues. We can come together on school choice. We can come together on criminal justice reform. We can come together on getting uh, uh, these filthy books out of our school systems. Um, I mean, there's a lot of issues that if we encourage the people to vote their values rather than voting their political leanings, you know what I'm saying? Yes, ma'am. That's how we make a difference. We have to bring people the truth. The truth is politics is killing us. Um, if you look at all of the public policy initiatives that are out there today, they are impacting especially the black community uh, in a way more negative way than any other community um, in the nation. We have a healthcare crisis in America that is directly attributable to abortion today. We have an education crisis in America today that is directly attributable to destroying the genius of the black community. We have a social crisis in America today that is destroying the very foundation on which our nation was built. And if we don't stop with the political ideology and begin to promote the, the uh, world view that all of us want to have, if we don't do that, we're in trouble. We're not going to survive as a people and as a nation. So to me, the young people want the same answers that we want. They want the answers to, to uh, how we can teach and prosper in America today. They want those answers. Let's tell them the truth and shame the devil. Mm. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right. Um, once again, I cannot say it enough. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And um, I, we're going to, we'll stay, I, I want to stay in touch with you. You're, you're so full of a wealth of knowledge and um, full of wisdom. And I can, I can see why um, you would be so, you would have been so much of a threat uh, in the governor's race and how, uh, you know, from my, from what I've seen, you know, they had to be stimming your voice 
to keep people from knowing about you because clearly when people got to listen to you and, and hear you talk as we have tonight, uh, they they grew very, they would, would have grown very fond of you. And uh, as I have uh, tonight, this is this has been amazing. I appreciate you. And we'll, we'll look forward to maybe down the road, get you back on here and um, get your thoughts on a, a few other things going on in society. I would love it. And thank you for having me. All right. You have a blessed one. Thank you so much you again. Bye -bye. Bye-bye. Wow. Wow. Was that not amazing, guys? Um, this is this is this is what I love about bringing guests on the show, especially guests that know what they're talking about and they've had experience and they could talk about some issues um that are, that are affecting all of our lives because what it you know we may look at uh the statistics of 13 percent black community and and you know people can can brush it off as a, uh, but when our black community hurts we all hurt the whole country hurts because we are the united states of america and when you hear about things like this and i've heard about you know some of the things that are, that people have used to um, to hurt uh, this uh, a certain cultural group of people and and policies being in in place and you know we've talked about uh, Margaret Sanger and the agenda that she pushed and putting money into uh, black pastors' hands and encouraging them to support this uh the the demise of their own community and just to hear even more of, of scenarios that were taking place and that we we can we can have wisdom it's not divisive in talking about the truth it's bringing up truth so that we can understand how to deal with situations as they try to raise themselves up and also understand that the people who were pushing these agendas then are the same people that are pushing it in a different way. They're labeling it, they're wrapping it up in certain other ways to get people in their emotions and their feelings when they're still pushing the same uh, agenda, which is to bring the black community down and, 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 and even greater broad, the minority community, even though right now, I believe they push depopulation uh, so much to the point that they had to open up the border. We're finding out now that with these with these jabs, people are 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 having uh, uh, birth complications like never before. People that got these jabs, they're they're having issues. There are people that are women that are uh, you know they 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 are not fertile, um, and and it's. It's been declining over the years uh, when it came to uh, birth rates and, and fertility. But it, after these jabs, it it uh, propelled forward exponentially. And so I believe we're having issues now. And now they've got to let poor nations come over here. Because if they don't let poor nations come over here to replenish or repopulate the United States of America, places that they could not afford, where uh, hospitals could not get 
the vax to every location uh, in their uh, communities in these countries, uh, underdeveloped countries. They're now, their people are escaping and they're coming over here and and, uh, and they're going to be taking many jobs uh, because just face, let's face it, the reason why the borders are still open because both sides of the aisle want the borders open. Both sides of the aisle can see the issue that is at hand that they got to have people come in and do the work. Maybe you hadn't noticed it, but right now there's companies laying off uh, American workers, but at the same time they got help wanted signs. And there's a lot of jobs with help wanted signs. And they, they paying, they raising the rate, raising the money, and they still can't get uh get people to work. Well, a lot of it is people. There's so many people that um, when you look at the VARES, the Vaccine Adverse, uh, I believe it's Emergency Reporting uh, System, when you look at that, you find out uh, that it's reporting over a million people, almost two million people uh, have been injured by that vaccine now you won't hear mainstream media talking about this because they get too much money and they can't talk about it they don't want to talk about it but this is taking place and so they the borders are wide open for people to come in and to to fill these void to fill these jobs and and you think that they're coming over just for agriculture well you you best you you best uh take another look because these are educated uh uh, immigrants that are coming, illegal aliens that are coming over here. They're coming to take jobs that, uh, on every level. And you know what? I'm running into, uh, I'm running into, because I travel a good bit throughout the day, I'm running into people that are coming over here to our country. They don't have no ID. But the government is giving them credentials so that they can they can then get licensed, get jobs, get all of these things right here, and they're getting they're putting them up in apartments and they're staying in apartments until they get their papers right. Until they get their credentials. And I, I've talked to some that have been here over three months. And they're coming over here with with work. I I guess they're eventually getting work visas and all that. But this is a strategy. It's a strategy to bring the rest of us down while funding the rest of the world. But don't give up. Don't lose heart. Don't lose. Don't lose faith. We don't put our confidence and trust in man. We put our hope in the Lord because it is the Lord that is keeping us. It is the Lord that will deliver us. It is the Lord that will make a way out of no way. So do not lose heart. Do not faint. But we know that we have to cry aloud. And I believe what what uh, Miss Catherine Davis mentioned is that when President Trump says, make America godly again. It's going to be a shift 
a spiritual shift. I'm gonna I'm gonna lay lay hold on that. Pray pray for that. Pray for God hand to be moved. Uh, and and watch and see what happens. I'm gonna uh speak. Uh, every opportunity I get. Um, I know generally at the Reawaken America tour that we go to, uh, the president, uh, son, at least Eric Trump, um, is at that event. Don Jr. Uh, is supposed to be there at that event. And you know what? If I get, if I see one of them again, um, I, and, and I have seen them there, been in the same room with them. Just then, you know, they weren't taking questions or whatever, and I didn't want to interrupt, you know, the flow of what they were doing. But um, I would do my best to speak to them uh, and to get a bug in the president's ear. But you guys pray too. You pray as well um, for God's hand to move. In this situation, uh, there was one other thing uh, that I wanted to make an announcement on. Uh, I'm gonna have to do it a different way. Uh, I gotta do it. Uh, bear with me um, as I do this, but uh, we'll be going, Lord willing, going to Las Vegas later on this year. I think it's in a couple of months to the Reawaken America tour. And uh, if you guys would like to get tickets uh, to that event, then uh, you the, the, the link is in the description or the, you can go to the website, timetofreeamerica.com. Use promo code APCO show, A-P-C-O show, show when you go there and get huge discounts. So far on the Reawaken America Tour, our past featured speakers have included Mel Kay. Dr. Vladimir Zelenko, Dr. Dave Martin, Charlie Kirk, Donna Clement, Stella Emanuel, Owen Schroyer, Alex Jones, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Karen Kingston, Chad Prather, Praise and Worship Leader Sean Foyt, Pastor Archer Pulowski, Seth Holhouse, Dr. Judy Mikevitz, Alan Keyes, Melissa Tate, Pastor Leon Benjamin, Mike Lindell, Eric Trump, Pastor Mark Burns, and Vandersteel. Dr. Richard Bartlett, Ian Smith, Pastor Dave Scarlett, Gene Ho, Mike Adams, Simone Gold, Scott McKay, Dr. Christian Northrup, Amanda Grace, Dr. Mark Sherwood, Anna Kate, Del Bigtree, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, Dr. Andy Wakefield, Dr. Jim Meehan, Lee Dundas, Dr. Eric Naputi, Alfie Oaks, Pastor Todd Coconato, Floyd Brown, Sheriff Richard Mack, election expert Seth Keschel, Pastor Phil Hotzenpiller, Attorney General Ken Paxton, Dr. Rashid Batar, Sam Sorbo, Senator Wendy Rogers, Sheriff Vic Rigolato, and you're going to absolutely love this event. Whoa. And remember, folks, it's the Great Reawakening versus the Great Reset. All right, um, remember to use uh, promo code APCO show, APCO show, uh, for our podcast listeners um, when you go to timetofreeamerica.com. Um, we have this segment that we call A Moment in the Word because we believe that a moment in the Word can change your life and a moment in the Word can change my life. 
Today's scripture reading will be from Proverbs 29 and 2, where it says, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. Let's seek God's face for God to intervene in our lives uh, to, to bring about change, uh, to get real leadership back in our country. And let's pray this in the name of Jesus. All right, so I want to go ahead and um, encourage you guys. If you are anywhere near uh, the Douglas County area in Georgia, you don't want to miss this Saturday morning where Garland Favorito um, will and, and uh, Voter GA will be with us um, at this uh, Victory Ve Breakfast event. Uh, we want to uh, encourage you guys to come out. Let's have a great time. He's going to uh, talk about what we must do to secure Georgia's 2024 election. Uh, there's no election more important uh, than the 2024 elections where we have to get uh, President Trump back in office uh, or a leader that God has appointed. And I believe Tr President Trump is that man, but uh, we'll let God do his work. Um, and leaders across the country that will stand up for our God-given rights. Um, but we definitely would love for you guys to come come with your notes, come with your video, so we, you can um, uh, catch this. We will be live streaming the event, and uh, we'll hope to see you guys this coming uh, Saturday at 10 a.m. The doors will be open around 9 o'clock, 9.30. Well, 9.30. I'll say 9.30. Um, but we definitely want to see you there at 10 a.m. And we'll have uh, some uh, snacks or breakfast-type stuff, stuff uh, for you guys to have. Um, definitely, if nothing else, Dunkin' Don uh, Donuts and coffee will, will be there. Uh, but look forward to seeing you. Um, come one, come all, Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, uh, you know, whatever you want to label yourself, come uh, catch some information. All right. Please share this uh, so that others can know about it. Um, remember that no matter what happens, we're all in this together. And I, I, I always start out with, please keep Crystal uh, and I in your prayers. And as you remember that, uh, no matter what happens, we're all in this together. And where we go one, we go all. And you can always find the original plan of salvation in your Bibles, in the book of Acts, the second chapter and the 38th verse. We love you. We appreciate you. We thank you uh, for joining us. So we look forward uh, to seeing you guys on tomorrow night around the 9 o'clock hour. God bless you. We appreciate you. And look forward to seeing you on Saturday if you're in the area. God bless you. Mike Lindell, inventor of my pillow. Just like you, I had problems sleeping. I tried every pillow out there and nothing worked. Ten years ago, I invented my pillow. It took me two years to develop because I wanted to have everything you would ever want in a pillow. 
I made sure that you could adjust my patented fill so you could have the exact support you need as an individual regardless of your sleep position. I also wanted a pillow that would last, so I made my pillow machine washable and dryable. I back my pillow with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. My pillow lets you adjust it to your exact individual needs regardless of sleep position and stays that way all night long so you get the best sleep of your life. Technical difficulties. Technical difficulties. One moment, we'll have our closing video playing. I don't, I don't know why this system does this to me sometimes. I am looking forward to Mr. Garland Favorito being with us. This coming Saturday morning. I believe it's going to be epic. Alright, so they don't want us to play this video. It is what it is. We're going to go on and get out of here.